You're listening to sermon audio from River City Church in Fargo, North Dakota. River City Church exists to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus through the gospel of Jesus. You can find out more about River City by visiting our website at www.rivercityfargo.org. Morning, River City Church. What a glorious day. My name is Jake. I'm one of the pastors here and worshiping today here at Island Park at this grandstand serves a couple of purposes. You may not know this, but today uh, or this week marks the 12th anniversary of River City as a local church. Our first Sunday, September 6th, 2009, we gathered in a small downtown Fargo jazz club at five in the evening for our first public worship service. And I continue to be amazed at the undeserved kindness of the Lord to us as a church. So, happy birthday, River City. And we pray the Lord would continue to find us faithful. And he would continue to find us useful in making his name known in the Fargo-Moorhead area and to the ends of the earth. Also, gathering for one service outdoors gives us a gift to be able to worship together as one body where we're often split into two services. And it creates opportunity for folks to join us who might not readily visit on a Sunday So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning, but perhaps someone invited you or maybe you just decided to to join us this morning on your own or you were here in the park. But if you're visiting today, can I just say that I'm glad that you're here with us. Now, if you'd like to grab your Bibles, if you have them, we're starting a series over the next 10, 11 weeks looking at 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. We'll be in 1st Thessalonians this morning and we'll read a few verses as an introduction to the series as a whole. Now, to understand a little more about these two books of First and Second Thessalonians, I'd like to give you a little context, so, so stay with me while I do that. First Thessalonians is in the New Testament, the back half of your Bible, and both First and Second Thessalonians are letters. They're written by a man named Paul, who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, meaning he was one who was set apart by Jesus for ministry. Specifically, Paul was sent to raise up leaders, to establish churches, and to make disciples who, in turn, would make disciples, who would raise up leaders, who would establish churches, and on and on, and so on. Paul has written these letters to a group of believers to a church in the city of Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica was, at the time, the capital of Roman-occupied Macedonia. And although Macedonia... uh, was, was a kind of a free state, or Thessalonia, Thessalonica, a, a free city. It, it served as an administrative hub for the Roman Empire and was a city of communication and trade right there along the Mediterranean Sea. It was primarily made up of Greeks, but also Jews, and likely due to its location on a major trade route, had, had a multi-ethnic bent to it. And so likely the church that had gathered there was a mix of cultures and ethnicities as well. We find that Paul visited this Macedonian city on what was his second of three missionary journeys. The book of Acts, chapter 17, tells us about Paul's missions trip that brought him to Thessalonica. And in fact, it was Jews and Greeks and many people who had heard Paul's message and began to gather together as a church. Acts tells us that Paul visited with two ministry partners, Timothy And Silas, as Acts 17 says, or as he's called here, Silvanus. Silas and Silvanus are the same guy. It's the same, uh, different names for the same person. Silas likely being the Greek rendition of his name, and Silvanus being the Romanized version of his name. But Paul 
as First Thessalonians says, Silvanus and Timothy came to Macedonia, to the city of Thessalonica, to preach the gospel of Jesus there. And guess what? People get saved. People respond in faith to the message of Jesus. Their once temporary allegiance to Caesar and to Rome was now being superseded by a new and eternal allegiance to Jesus. And like Jews who'd become followers of Jesus as their promised Messiah, their Savior and their King, these Gentile believers became followers of Jesus as their Savior and King too. Now, Acts tells us that they didn't stay long in Thessalonica because the persecution was intense. In fact, there was such pushback of the gospel message that Paul and his friends were preaching that a mob was put together to literally drive them out of the city. And that's exactly what happened. Scholars think that Paul maybe was in Thessalonica for a total of about three weeks before the crowds and the persecution got so intense that they had to flee. And the Christians who remained were persecuted by their own neighbors. So not long after they left... Paul sends Timothy to check on this young church. And these two letters, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, are a response, Paul's response, to the report that Timothy gives. 1 Thessalonians is also probably one of the earliest letters written by Paul. He likely wrote it from the city of Corinth right around the spring of AD 50. Now, it's clear from the words Paul uses, and we'll read the text here in a second, that he is very encouraged by the Thessalonians' faith in Jesus in the midst of hardship. It's clear from all the thanksgiving language that we'll read. Paul realizes that he hasn't had much time with this young church, and he might not get much more. He doesn't know when he'll be back with them because of the persecution. And so this letter kind of feels like Paul is saying, if I can only encourage you in a few key things, here they are. Paul reminds them that The gospel that they received has been and will be their source of strength in the midst of suffering. And that that same gospel is an anchor for them, for their hope for the future, which is the title of this whole series. We're we're blatantly stealing the lyric from the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Strength for Today and Bright Hope for Tomorrow. That's the, the theme for this whole series of study in these two letters. Because you see, the Thessalonians are just trying to live their lives. Yes, they have this newfound faith in Jesus. And with that, they wanted it to just work their jobs and and raise their kids and enjoy time with their neighbors and maybe share with others this hope that they found. And the world around them was crazy. Maybe we can relate, right? Life is filled with challenges and hardships, not to mention persecutions from people. or, or, Or living in a culture that doesn't really want anything to do with Jesus and his word. And that can drive us either in one direction, towards helplessness, or maybe towards the other direction, towards hopelessness. But these letters from Paul to the Thessalonians will, I pray, encourage us in how we can live our ordinary, everyday lives with purpose and strength to pursue day-to-day faithfulness and have great hope for the future. So, let's read the text together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 1 through 10. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is God's word for us today. Two big ideas from this text. One, The gospel is our strength for our everyday, and two, the gospel is the anchor for our future hope. Let's unpack this this first chapter with these two kind of ideas in mind. First, the gospel is strength for everyday. See, Paul's encouragement was towards endurance in hardship. Perseverance, holding fast, keep going. And a hopeful future is framed in the context of remembering, specifically remembering the gospel. Of all that Paul was grateful for, all of his thanksgiving for these Thessalonians, Jesus followers, their work of faith, their labor of love, their steady and unwavering hope in Jesus, these things that he says he's thankful for, he says that God has chosen them. Verse 4, for we know brothers, and the word here is one that can be translated brothers and sisters. So Paul is speaking to the larger fellowship of believers in Thessalonica, brothers and sisters. He describes them as loved by God. We know, Paul says, that he's chosen you. See, here's the, the basics. The gospel is that Christ Jesus lived and died for sinners and rose again so that the unworthy might be made worthy and that we are chosen by God in Christ Jesus, not based on any merit of our own, but according to his mercy. This is good news. This is gospel. Verse 5. And this message of Jesus, that he came to save us, and that in him is life. In him we are made new. Verse 5, Paul says, And this gospel came to you in power. Make no mistake, when the Holy Spirit opens blind eyes, it is a miracle. When the Holy Spirit awakens a dead heart, it is a miracle. Faith in Jesus is a miraculous work of the power of the Holy Spirit. And this faith in Jesus came not in a season of sunshine and rainbows and a life of ease, but it came to these brothers and sisters in a season of affliction. Verse 6, they received the word of the gospel in much affliction. And rather than making them sour or, or, or causing them to shrink back in this hardship, they became bold. <laughs> they received this message in the midst of a really hard season. And what it produced in them was boldness. Paul says, you became imitators of us, meaning even though life was hard and there was much opposition, that they not only received the word for themselves, but they picked up the gospel and they imitated Paul by becoming messengers of that same gospel. And their faithfulness in the midst of hardship proves something powerful about the message as their witness and reputation spreads. Can you picture the conversation? as information about what was happening in Thessalonica started to spread out to the surrounding communities. 
Did you hear about those Thessalonians? Yeah, a group of them started following this Jesus of Nazareth and his teachings. Really? Yeah, yeah. And not only, I mean, you remember what happened in Jerusalem. The the Jewish people were really upset because of all that that happened. But but some of Jesus' disciples are now going to all these other towns and sharing his message. Even some Greeks and Romans are, are getting upset now. So, so, so the people in Thessalonica and the leaders have come down pretty hard on this new group, haven't they? Well, that's, that's got to shut them up. Well, actually, it's the opposite. They, they've started to join, actually, some of these disciples from Jesus. They've, they've become uh, missionaries themselves. They're sharing the message of Jesus now. And if they're willing to suffer for that message and for that man, well, then maybe there's just something to what they're talking about. See, Paul's reminding them, remember the gospel that called you, that sustained you. It will continue to be your strength. For you and for me, we too often relegate the word gospel to a reference to when we first believed. But what we often forget is that Jesus' rescue of us is the most powerful miracle any of us have ever experienced. We tend to say, yeah, the gospel is good, salvation from sin and death and hell, and we leave it over there. When in reality, we should see it as the central work of power in our lives, because I was dead and now I'm alive. Make no mistake, we never move on from this gospel. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 1 that God the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. The perspective I need that we need in the midst of turmoil and hardship and unrest and loss is that in Christ Jesus I have been given all that I ever need. That his grace toward me in Jesus is more than enough to cover my heartache. More than enough to satisfy my longings. That as Psalm 73 says, even though my heart and my flesh may fail, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is the first thing I want to remind us of this morning. It's a call back to the foundational truth of the gospel. And, And maybe you've believed the gospel, but you've relegated it to a category of what, what I heard before, and it's become less than it is, and you've gone in search of quote-unquote deeper things, can I just encourage you that you don't move on from the gospel. It is the anchor, the footing that runs under every part of our faith. Or maybe you've, you've never really had faith, or maybe you think you maybe did once, but you're not sure if you do now. Can I just echo Paul's words here? That just as the gospel came to the Thessalonians and they turned from their idols to follow the living God, if I can be so bold, the gospel is calling you today to turn from your idols and follow the living God. And this gospel of Jesus does not promise immediate peace, but it does promise rest in the midst of hardship. The gospel doesn't promise temporary safety, but it does prove itself to be an anchor in the midst of the storms of life. The gospel doesn't offer an easy life but it's a promise that we will have the strength we, are, we need when we are weak. The gospel calls us to repent of our sin and turn to him in faith, and in him we find new and everlasting life. The gospel is strength for our everyday. Second thing we see in this text, the gospel is the anchor for our future hope. It, it's both. 
And part of our problem and why we are often sapped of hope and so easily uh, discouraged when life gets tough is because we only see what is happening right around us. And that makes it hard for us to keep going. Our, our vision is so often obscured. I mean, our, 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 we can only see what's right in front of us. Maybe you've, you've seen that when, when you're um, driving in the car and it's really flat around here. And so you're driving down the highway and you can see the wall of rain coming and then you kind of prepare for it and then you hit it. And then for however long, you can't see a thing except for maybe some brake lights on up ahead. I heard a pastor a number of years ago tell the story of a woman named Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim across the English Channel in both directions and set records for the time of her swim both directions. In 1952, Florence set out to become the first woman to swim across the Pacific covering a 26-mile stretch from the Catalina Islands to California. And on a cold morning, she got into the water with a rowboat trailing her. And in the rowboat was her mother and men with rifles to shoot at sharks. Just to give you a picture of the weight of this project. After 15 hours of swimming, a dense fog set in. In the fog, she called out to the boat to bring her in. She was tired She couldn't see anything. Her mother called out to her from the rowboat, keep going, you're almost there. And so she did for about an hour longer, but the fog was too thick. And it wasn't until she was pulled into the boat that she was told she was less than a mile from shore. And when asked afterwards, she said, all I could see was fog. I think if I could have just seen the shore, I would have made it. Like Florence, our visibility is limited We can often only see the fog around us. We experience the hardship and the persecution and the rejection. We feel the chronic pain, the loneliness, the loss. We see pain and injustice and brokenness, and we ask, is this it? Is this all there is? See, Paul says that the disciples in Thessalonica turn from idols to serve the living God, and that by faith they wait for his Son from heaven. See, Paul is not only reminding them of the gospel, which has the power to give them strength now, but also of the promise of the Son to come again. See, Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead, Paul says, he is the one who delivers us from the wrath to come. The resurrection proves that his power and his promises that he will return. One commentator on this text said it this way, Had Jesus never been raised from the dead, he could never return. But since he had been raised, his future reappearance is guaranteed by that very resurrection. The Thessalonians looked around and saw that their world was messed up. And they expected it to get worse. They sensed they were on the brink of disaster. And Paul is saying, yes, there's a lot of garbage and hardship. But remember, Jesus was raised from the dead. And Jesus will return as the conquering king. Your deliverer has come and is coming again. And so what's your assessment of the world around you? Now, sure, we don't have people threatening to come to our homes, take off our heads. We can gather here freely to worship. But it is happening around the world. And there are a thousand other things that hinder our view. I don't know what it is for you, but what fog clouds your view of the shoreline of God's future promise? Two months after her failed attempt, Florence tried again, and as she neared the shore... Again, the fog set in. That same cold, the same shark-infested waters, 
covered by the same dense fog, but this time she made it to shore. And what asked afterwards what made the difference, she said she made it to shore because she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind while she swam. She could see the shore even when she couldn't see the shore. See, Paul is reminding the believers in Thessalonica to keep going. Don't give in to discouragement. Don't give up hope. And rather than fearing what's to come, there's an incentive to persevere. The shore of God's deliverance is there, even if you can't see it. So keep going. It's endurance inspired by hope because it means rescue is coming, not doom. Friends, I pray these letters from Paul to this young and passionate church will be a timely challenge and an encouragement for us. Challenging us to rethink our perspective on the world and our place in it as disciples of Jesus. And encouraging us to a gospel hope when it would be easier to give in to anxious hopelessness or cynical helplessness. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has called us his own, and this gospel truth is both our strength for today and our hope for tomorrow. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are patient and loving, that you come to us to rescue us and to bring us back to you. We pray you'd encourage us and build us up Remind us of the truth of the gospel, of your love for us, that you have called us, that you're making us new, that it would encourage us and give us strength, and that you would give us a clear picture to see with eyes full of hope a glorious and secure future in you, our King. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.